uh, so anyway, that's why she's not here. I told her, I said, you know, I've never done this before, but uh, everybody was asking about you, and I thought, well, we'll just track you down. So I went over and <laughs> I, found, I found Peggy and, uh, and, and uh, got the information from Peggy, and so... Now we know. She said, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to bring it there and give it to anybody else. I said, no, no, you did exactly the right thing. <laughs> Stay right there and get better. Okay, Romans, uh, not Romans, Proverbs chapter number 8. Proverbs 8. We started on this chapter last week, and as I said at that time, the, the theme of the chapter is the excellency of wisdom. Really, you know, you could say that about the entirety of the book of Proverbs, but that uh, seems to be especially true in this, uh, in this chapter. We considered two things in part one, and that was the availability of wisdom. Thank God it's available. I'm so glad that it's, you know, not something just reserved for an elite few or uh, something like that. But God's made it available to all of us if we will just receive it. And then we spoke about the value of it. And closely related to that brings us to verse number 13 where we talk about the benefits of wisdom. The value of a thing can be determined by the benefits that it brings. You know, a lot of times we attach a lot of value to things that in reality, uh, are of no great value to us whatsoever. They don't contribute to our welfare in any way, uh, but they're very valuable. And uh, the truly valuable things in life are the things that benefit us and others. So whenever we read these verses, beginning in verse number 13 and, and on down through verse 21, uh, it, it ought to be easy for us to see the benefits of wisdom, and there are three things we're going to talk about in that regards. I think, first of all, we'll just read through these verses uh, together, and, and, you know, I'll read the entire section, and then we'll come back and pick it apart. Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way and the proverb mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Now, as I said, this section deals with the benefits of wisdom, and I want you to notice three things, three ways in which we benefit from wisdom. Now, naturally, we could, we could you know, make a lot longer list, no doubt, but these are the three things that are mentioned here. Number one, here in verse 13, wisdom causes us to hate evil. And, you know, anything that would cause us to despise sin and flee from sin 
you know, that's got to be looked upon as our friend. And so when we think about wisdom, wisdom is our friend. It, it, it teaches us to hate evil, to flee from sin. And uh, I think the important thing is that when we think about this, is that it teaches us to hate evil and not just the consequences of it. You know, and, and a lot of people hate the consequences of sin. Uh, we, we look around us and we see what horrible, terrible things sin has done. We see families that have been ripped apart and people that have been ravaged by uh, by sin, and, and it's just awful and terrible. But uh, and we we ought to hate that. But we need to hate the sin. And uh, that comes in by understanding that sin is an offense against a holy God, and that's the very thing that ought to promote our hatred of it. Not not so much what it does to us, but the effect that it has on God. So notice he says here in verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate is to hate evil. Now this is just a general statement, but notice then he proceeds uh, to mention specific evils here, pride and arrogance and, uh, and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. And so if you look at those statements there, you'll notice it, dis- it, it covers our attitude, it covers our conduct, and it covers our speech. And it's just reminding us here that wisdom affects every area of our life, and we hate any kind of a sin that, you know, is contrary to those things. So we hate evil. One of the problems in the world today, and especially in our nation today, is people simply don't hate sin. They they have embraced it. It's something that they love and they frolic in rather than something that they uh, despise. And we need a holy hatred of sin, understanding that it was sin that required God to have Christ nailed to the cross. And so when we think about those nails holding him there, we need to understand it was because of our sinfulness that Christ had to die on the cross, and we ought to hate it. But that's just one benefit. Another benefit is the fact that wisdom gives us understanding. And uh, we pick that up in verse number 14. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Now, remember, whenever we began this section, I talked about the fact that wisdom is personified. It's spoken of as a person. And notice here that the same thing is true in regards to understanding. You know, I am, I am understanding. In, in other words, we're, uh, it's pictured as a, a person and, uh, God's naturally accommodating our ignorance as human beings and trying to communicate with us on a level that we can understand. So that's the reason he personifies these particular attributes. Notice the word counsel there and sound wisdom and understanding and strength because all of those words are describing the nature of wisdom, uh, what she is, what she's able to do what she's able to bestow upon those who receive her. And so wisdom, understanding is counsel and sound wisdom. It's understanding, it's strength. In verse 15, 
By me, kings reign and princes decree uh, justice. In, in other words, these leaders are enabled to properly perform their duties as a result of wisdom. Being appointed to a position or inheriting a position such as a king, for example, uh, you know, you might have the position but, and the authority by virtue of that, but that doesn't mean you have the ability to rightly govern the people. And so for a king or those in positions of leadership, it's essential that they have wisdom. And, you know, each and every one of us ought to think of our families as little kingdoms, so to speak. And those that, you know, are in positions of authority and, and even in regards to your children, we desperately need wisdom in dealing with them. And, and, and most certainly those that are ruling over nations do. And that's the idea of verse 16, by me, princes, uh, rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. And so it, it, to make these proper judgments and what have you, whether it's the leader of a nation or a family or a business or a church, wisdom is essential. Verse 17, I love them that love me. Now, and, and again, keep in mind that he's speaking of wisdom, and, and wisdom is speaking as though it were a person here. And it does not imply that God only loves those who love him. Because we know that would contradict parts of the Bible, right? God so loved what? The world. Uh, you, ought, you ought to hear some of these five-point Calvinists trying to explain that away. I mean, if it wasn't so serious, it, it, would, be, it, would, be, uh, it would be humorous that it really doesn't mean the world. You know, I don't know about you, but if I can't believe John 3.16, you know, uh, then how can I believe any part of the Bible? You know, I think God meant what he said and said what he meant, and that's just as clear as the nose on your face. God loves the world, not just a select few, but look, all of the world does not reap the benefits of God's love. And so this is the idea here. Wisdom is saying, I love them that love me. You know, and so everybody, those that do not love wisdom, do not reap the benefits of the love. It's kind of like that verse was in Jude where it's talking about keeping ourselves in the love of God. You know, how do you get out of the love of God? He loves you regardless. It's unconditional. But the fact of the matter is, and I've often used the illustration, we think about God's love as the... Uh, as being, you know, like the sun. And a person can, you know, get under a shade tree and they can block themselves from the rays of the sun and the benefit of the sun. And if they want the full benefit of it, they've got to step out of the shade and out of the shadows and get out there under the rays of the sun. And that's the way God's love is. That's the way wisdom is. And he says, I love those that love me. And, and notice he says, and those that seek me early shall find me. This word early could possibly uh, have reference to youth. Uh, I mean, it's used that way in certain parts of the Bible. But it's much more likely, especially in this case, that rather than referring to their age, it refers to, to, to seeking wisdom without delay. In other words, if it only referred to those that are young, it would be too late for those, you know, uh, who, who, let's say, grow up without 
the knowledge of Christ. It'd, it'd, it'd be too late. It'd be too late for them to ever gain any wisdom, you know, if they're older. Uh, so I, I think the whole point of this, if I understand it, is that we need to seek wisdom as soon as we possibly can. We ought to earnestly seek it as soon as we can. And I say that because there's great danger in delay. You've heard people say, well, you know, experience is the best teacher. Well, uh, not always. Uh, I, I mean, it can really be a painful experience that you go through. You know, there are better ways to learn than to go through uh, an experience. You know, a lot of times young people will say, well, you know, they, they want to, well, like Belinda was talking to, you know, they get a certain age, they want their own apartment, they want to do their own thing, they want to experience life for themselves. And, you know, that's great that they want to uh, stretch their wings and fly and get out here on their own and be responsible. That part of it is, is well and good, but a lot of them have the silly idea that they've got to experience everything for themselves. I remember several years ago we had a had a big fancy nightclub there. Uh, well, it was on the Kentucky side of Cincinnati, and it was kind of like uh, Gillies was down here. This was a big, fancy, nationally known place. Uh, burned down, by the way, and you all may have, I'm sure, many years ago read about it. A lot of people were killed in it. But uh, anyway, they had this nightclub, and some way or another, I learned that... Uh, uh, Several, three or four of our teenage girls had gone there. And so, and no sooner did I hear about it, and the next Sunday I called them into my office and I said, Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but I said, I've heard and people are talking about it that you girls were down at the, whatever the name of the club was. And, uh, well, they looked at one another and they looked at me, and you could tell they were just melding and they couldn't deny it. And, uh, they said, yeah, yeah, we were down there. And uh, I said, what in the world were you doing in a place like that? I mean, you know better than that. You girls have been raised in church. You, you're good Christian girls. You sing in our youth choir. You're, you know, what possessed you to go to a place like that? And they said, we just wanted to experience what it was like. We want, we'd heard so much about it. We just wanted to find out what it was like. Well, let me tell you, that can get you in a lot of trouble just wanting to experiment and find out what things are like. We need to, without any delay whatsoever, we need to seek wisdom, I mean, as soon as we can and be earnest about it. And that's the point because procrastination has been the downfall of a lot of people. And it's not something, you know, that that we can afford to wait on. And you know, we talk about serving God and a lot of people got the idea and they you know they know it's the right thing to do and and uh, their intention you know is to you know someday I'm going to really get serious about serving God and uh, you know whenever I get through with college or whenever I get established in my job or when I get a little money saved up and don't have to work all of this overtime or you know whatever it is the devil will always see to it that there's something there to try to sidetrack you but procrastination is dangerous and that's why wisdom says seek me early don't delay so we learn from this then that that wisdom causes us to hate sin 
and enables us to have understanding. But now verse 18, 19, and 2021, we see the third benefit of wisdom, and that is it promotes prosperity. Notice what he says, riches and honor are with me. And boy, if anyone ever wrote something out of experience, it was Solomon. I mean, you talk about wealth. I mean, he had it. And you'll remember here is a man that God made that remarkable statement to Solomon, what do you want? Just ask whatever you want. You know, I'll give it to you. And I've often thought about that and what most people might say. I remember my mother saying above everything else, you know, the the one thing, if she just had one thing, you know, in life that... Just one wish that it would be for good health. Well, you you know, that that sounds good, but, you know, there are a lot of people in bad health that are living very productive lives and serving the Lord. So there are things more important than health. There are things more important than wealth. Uh, and, And so Solomon, naturally, he asked God for what? Wisdom. That's exactly what he wanted. Just give me wisdom that I might be able to lead your people. And here he is out of the depths of his experiences saying, Riches and honor are with me. In other words, you know, wisdom is saying this is the reward that you'll receive by receiving me. Yea, durable riches and righteousness. Now, remember, it's the love of money and not money that's the root of all evil. So a person can be rich and righteous at the same time. And that's what he's saying here, that with wisdom there are durable, that is, lasting riches and righteousness. So many people get sidetracked, you know, by the by the very thought of having a lot of money. You know, we talk about these entertainers, and I was talking to someone the other day about a particular situation, and, you know, whether it's in the sports world like Tiger Woods or the entertainment world like Elvis Presley or whatever it is, and and, and so many times we wonder why those people that are here they are living in the lap of luxury They've got the world by the tail on the downhill swing. Everything is going their way, and they turn around and do something that is so stupid that it's beyond belief and lose everything they had. And, and, you know, we look at that and we think, how could anybody be that foolish? Well, you know, we don't understand it because we've never been in that position. We've never faced that kind of temptation. I mean, can you imagine what it must be like to be in a position like that where people are idolizing you and, and, you know, you've got so much money and everything else that it seems like that nothing can stop you and consequently you end up what? And doing some of the most stupid things imaginable. And, and so we need wisdom, the kind of wisdom that will lead us in the paths of righteousness, and we prosper as a result of that. Verse 19, my fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. Well, that goes back to Proverbs 3.18, where he told us there, wisdom is a tree of life. And in our text, we see that it produces fruit. Notice the fruit is what? It's more valuable than silver and gold. 
Well, how could it be more valuable than that? Well, because we're talking about our very lives. Wisdom is a tree of life. Verse 20, I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment. You remember David saying in the 23rd Psalm, he says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And, you know, so like the shepherd in David's psalm, wisdom is leading us in the way that is right. You know, uh, if we want to determine whether or not we, we possess wisdom, all we need to do is just look at the manner in which we live. You know, if we'll just look at our deportment and take into consideration the decisions that we make and the things that we do, it's an indicator as to whether or not we possess wisdom because wisdom leads in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment. And and whenever he uses that phrase, in the midst, he's talking about not to the left hand or to the right hand. In other words, it keeps us in balance. And, And, you know, we human beings have an extremely difficult time keeping things in balance. We tend to go to one extreme or to the other extreme. If we're not careful, we find ourselves being so rigid, so dogmatic, so emphatic about everything that we get in that ditch. Or, on the other hand, you know, we get so loving and cuddly with the world and what have you, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and we get in the ditch on the other side. And that's why I love that phrase that Paul used when he said, speaking the truth, in love. You see, there's the balance. You have the truth. You have adhering to the truth. Doing what is right, but doing it in a spirit of love. And, and so whenever he says here concerning wisdom, he says that it, that, that it leads us in the way of righteousness and in the midst, that is, down the middle of the road in the path of righteousness. Verse 21 that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Well, I, boy, that doesn't need any explanation whatsoever as far as I can see. I mean, he's talking about uh, us prospering. You know, again, so many times we think about the fact that in order to be a spirit-filled Christian, that we've got to be poor, that we've got to be broke. And, you know, that if we've got very much money in the bank, well, surely we couldn't possibly love the Lord and be devoted to the Lord. But that's not at all what the Bible teaches. Remember, whenever God was speaking to the children of Israel, here they are in Egypt, and they're in bondage, and and every day they're serving under the taskmasters, and so God said, look, I want to deliver you from bondage. And you know the story. Sends Moses to Pharaoh, let my people go. And I've got something better than this for you. And you remember that as a result of the sins of the Canaanites and, and as the result of their sin coming to the full, that's the phrase the Bible uses. In other words, it finally reached the point that God said is enough is enough and I'm going to take away everything you've got. And I'm going to give it to who? I'm going to give it to my people, Israel. And when he described that land, he described it as a land flowing with milk and honey. And he told them, you won't have to plant any vineyards. You won't have to build any houses. I'm going to give you their houses. 
I'm going to take their houses away from them. I'm going to give it to you. Their vineyards will become your vineyards. You see, we're talking about economic prosperity here as a result of being in the will of God. And let me tell you right now, the thing that made America great, the thing that made America prosperous, the thing that made America powerful is the fact that we were founded upon basic Christian principles. And it was out of that great awakening led by Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield and many others that were involved in that altogether. It, as a result of that spiritual awakening in our land, God prospered our nation greatly. And, and we could honestly say our treasures are full as a result of what God has done. That's what wisdom will get you. But when we lack wisdom, well... It's the other side of the coin. I don't need to say any more. Now, that brings us down to, to uh, the next section. And this section has to do with the, with the origin and what I'm going to call and the operation of wisdom. The origin and the operation of wisdom. And in fact, we could take this right on down to the very end of the chapter but I want you to just notice a few verses here in particular, verse number 22, because here we're going to see that wisdom comes from God because it's His eternal nature. It's what God is. It's not just something God does. Verse 22, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way before His works of old. And, and so God is the source of all wisdom. Don't, don't forget what we've been talking about. Wisdom is personified. The Lord possessed me. This is wisdom talking now. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way before the works of old. In other words, before creation, before the exodus, before all of these things, God was a wise God. It says, I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth was. So there we go, back as far as you want to take it. God has always been wise. Verse 24, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When, when there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was, I brought forth. While as yet we had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, uh, then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of the earth, and my delights, my delights were with the sons of men. Now we understand what Paul was talking about when we go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, and Christ is made unto us, what? The wisdom of God. 
And boy, you, you look at that verse in the light of everything that was said here, and then you remember what John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now we're getting the picture. Wisdom has always existed because it existed in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ back before the foundation of the world. And I love that part where he said, And my delights, my delights were with the sons of men. You know, just to think about the fact that not only should we be seeking after wisdom, But we need to understand that wisdom is searching after us. God wants us to be wise. Now we come to the last part of the the chapter, and it has to do with the duty of hearkening unto wisdom. Now remember, wisdom uh, is not some recent philosophy that was concocted by man. Wisdom comes from God. Because it comes from God, because He is the source of wisdom, we should never uh, let it go unheeded. We never have a right to ignore it knowing that it came from God. Uh, For example, whenever we think about a decree being issued by the Lord, when we think about a command being given by God, or we think about a principle being set forth by the Lord, automatically we know that when it comes from the Lord that we incur an obligation immediately, no question about it. You don't look at it and say, well, do I really have to obey this? You know, and we might even look at it and we might even say, you know, I really don't understand the reasoning behind this. Well, you don't need to. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. All we need to know is this came from the Lord. So when wisdom speaks and the Word of God speaks to us regarding our need of wisdom, then we need to listen. And uh, I, I think I can safely say it's only reasonable that we would seek after something so valuable, so beneficial as what we've been talking about. You know, people will do almost anything in the world in order to to get a lot of money, to be rich. You know, there are people, you you think about doctors, and I know there's some doctors, you know, become physicians because of their love of humanity. They just want to help people, and they're devoted to their profession. And, you know, that's why they do what they do. Let's not kid ourselves. A lot of them's in it for the money. I mean, it's just that plain and simple. And they're, 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 they're going to order every test imaginable and do anything they can to get in your pocket. And, you know, it's, it's like that one fellow, Dr. Brown, the hand doctor or whatever. And they've had it on TV so long now. And, and I've often thought, how in the world did he ever make that much money just operating on people's hands? It's just boggles my mind. And so my whole point is that, that, that it's so strange that a lot of people will, will exhaust themselves and, and go down every avenue and do everything imaginable just to make money. And, and the, the whole thing of it is everything we need can be found by walking in wisdom. And whenever I say that, I'm not saying that in every instance God is going to make everybody wealthy from the standpoint of, you know, having a lot of money. 
but there will be many who are as a result of that. I, I think we'll all be more prosperous. Well, just like I, I truly believe and I'm confident the Bible teaches we'll all live longer if we live right. There's no doubt about that. We'll live longer than we normally would. And we'll be more wealthy than we normally would if we live right. So why wouldn't we hearken to the voice of wisdom? Now, verse 32, Now therefore, when he says therefore, that takes us all the way back to everything he's been saying, therefore, on the basis of what I said, hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. That word therefore is so very important because it's calling our attention to everything I've said tonight, everything we said last week, everything this chapter teaches us about wisdom, and that ought to be more than enough to encourage every one of us to desire God's wisdom. But beyond that, there's, you know, uh, more reasons, and, and they're all summed up, I think, in this statement. Blessed are they that keep my ways. Boy, whenever, you know, whenever God says we're blessed, we're blessed. God doesn't lie. Blessed are they that keep my ways. You know, God's ways are not our ways. And, and this is where we get ourselves in trouble. We want to have our way instead of going God's way. You know, Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. How did we do that? We've turned everyone to his own way. And boy, when we do that, folks, we're always on the wrong path. But whenever we go God's way, the result of it is, Blessed are they that keep my ways. Verse 33, Hear instruction and be wise. And refuse it not. Well, the person will never be wise if they refuse to listen to instruction. You know, somebody that's a know-it-all and you can't tell them anything, uh, there'll be a high price to pay, and especially when they won't listen to God. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. Now, you know, one picture that comes to my mind whenever I read this is, is that of an eager student waiting at the, at the schoolhouse door for the teacher to arrive. In other words, he's standing at the door, just can't wait for class to start, and so he has an eagerness to learn. And those that have this attitude are certain to be blessed. I, I told someone the other day, we had a family Christmas get-together, and so... They played some kind of a little game where everybody had to, I think, give a list of four or five things that you think nobody knows about you. And so I put down on my list, and, of course, they didn't know who it came from, and none of them guessed it either, by the way. I said I was a student teacher in high school. <laughs> and I'll guarantee you, every one of them thought, boy, that can't be Daddy. You know, because he talked about all those, that time he spent in the pool rooms and all the stupid stuff he did and, you know, and, uh, and, but the fact of the matter was I actually was. And it was all because it was the drafting class and that was something that I dearly loved. It was the only thing I ever made really good grades in, that and phys ed, you know, but, uh, 
but I, I couldn't wait. I still remember. I don't remember who taught a lot of the classes, but, but I still remember my, my teacher, uh, a man by the name of Erickson, Mr. Erickson, and he was the drafting teacher. I couldn't wait to get in there and learn more, and I love that. And he recognized that and made me a, a student teacher. And uh, the, the amazing thing is, after I graduated, my first job, and this was another thing I thought, well, they might not know. My first actual job was driving an ice cream truck. That's a little Jeep with a bell on it, you know, and you go down the street, you know, like the ice cream man. Well, that's what, that's what I was doing immediately upon graduation, and uh, I think sometime even during that uh, summer. And, but I got a phone call one day. This is the Greene County Surveyor's Office. And uh, really? Okay. Uh, thought you might be looking for a job. Your drafting teacher, Mr. Erickson, has recommended you for this job, and we need a draftsman. And I said, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, boy, 75 cents an hour. When Bev and I got married, this was, I'll, 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 I'll never forget going in there that day and, uh, and telling my boss I hadn't been there very long after that, you know, and I, uh, I went in there and I told him, I said, I've got to have a raise. He said, well, you hadn't even been here a year yet. I said, I don't care. 75 cents is not enough. My wife, I got married. My wife is pregnant, and uh, i got to have more money. And he said, well, I can't do it. And it was lunchtime when I did, and I just went back in, picked up my lunch bucket, and walked out the door and left. <laughs> never, never saw him again, but uh, went to work for the state highway department. Now, I know I'm just rambling, rambling, going through all of this, but the point I'm trying to make is here that, that whenever we have an opportunity, we need to jump on it. And, and the whole fact of the matter is if we will, if we will pursue wisdom and, and try to do the right thing, God has promised that he's going to, going to bless us. So what? We ought to be like that kid standing at the class door before the teacher gets there, trying to get in because we want more and more wisdom. And that's why we ought to hunger for it. Now, verse 35, For whoso findeth me findeth life. We heard that already, right? And God knew we needed to hear it again. We find wisdom, we find life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. And so there's a twofold blessing. There's life. And define favor. Verse 36, but, boy, here's a, if ever there was a, a perfect place for this sermon, it's right here. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. And all they that hate me love death. I was writing an article today. I don't know if I'll use it for pastor's pen or morning manna or think about it or whatever, but I was writing an article today uh, from, from the verse where it talks about ancient Israel in Hosea. My people have destroyed themselves. Destroyed themselves. That's what sin does, folks. And that's what he's saying. He that sinneth against me, notice what? He wrongeth his own soul. In other words, we hurt ourselves, and those that hate 
wisdom. Notice, he says, they love death. Well, God forbid that we embrace death and that we do ourselves harm when wisdom is standing out in the street beckoning for us to come and to receive her. Aren't you glad God made wisdom available? Amen. That's that's why I love that verse there in Romans says, we are more than conquerors. God's made every provision for us to be victorious. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And uh, any final words before we go? Brother John?